whose attack on people sends the whole countryside on an endless search. Unless something is done and done quickly. Is this the end of our civilization? You'll pioneer with us the perilous descent into the unknown. What does that mean? What are you even talking about? A deep, penetrating dive. In the last calm and reflective moment, before the monsters came. Humanoids from the deep dive. Welcome to the podcast, Humanoids from the Deep Dive, where we dig deep into the meanings and context of your favorite monsters and monster movies. Each episode will see guests, co-hosts, and myself give our take on an important monster movie and or film, and what we think it means using everything from history and philosophy to films and folklore. This is another mini-sode to celebrate all the excellent creature features that we've been getting in theaters lately, and we have a new one coming up in Dune. So I wanted to record a review, because I'm excited about it, and wanted to celebrate some of the other films we have in theaters. We're going to do it a little bit differently, I think, from now on, only in the sense that, you know, the, the minisodes are evolving as, as we do them. I want to try and cover one non-creature feature every episode, because why not? You know, I'm going to do these when they're appropriate to the show, but then there's so many good and worthwhile films that come out that it's it's worth digging in sometimes uh, to non-genre properties, uh, at least for these episodes. First, we have Lisa Frankenstein, directed by Zelda Williams from Diablo Cody's script. Uh, personally, I'm always happy to see a new Diablo Cody penned film in theaters, and this one right away had immediate nostalgic creature feature vibes it's automatically i had to take a moment to sit down and cover it it's 1989 the film follows lisa swallows played by katherine newton who's a lonely sort of gothic cynical girl who's um, isolated in her new school her life has been marred by family tragedy when her mother was murdered in her home and then her dad got remarried. They had to move to a new town. And she finds herself visiting the local cemetery as a place to get away from it all and falling for the story she has in her head of a particular young man who long ago passed away. There's there's a, a bust of him in the cemetery. Um, so she visits regularly and one fateful night, um, basically magic happens for reasons, and that individual gets resurrected as a creature, and Lisa doesn't, it's not a traditional romance in the, in the weird sense where, oh, she falls in love with him right away, he's a, he's a creature, but uh, she embraces him as a friend, and then gradually finds Frankensteinian ways to restore him back to his former self. And those ways involve um, murder, basically. So there's a lot that I really, really like about Lisa Frankenstein. The script as a whole is very funny. Uh, a lot of the jokes really work. Uh, cat, the Casting-wise, Catherine Newton is, is a great Lisa and uh, Cole Sprouse <laughs> doesn't really get to do that much for a long time. 
but he's good as the creature for for how the characters are written uh a really wonderful surprise is uh, lisa soberano as taffy swallows who's lisa's stepsister you know stepsisters in these films are traditionally stereotypically um cruel or or isolating but taffy is a breath of fresh air really she's um always tries to keep lisa included she defends her she takes her side against um taffy's mother lisa's stepmother um and is uh, just a really wonderful character really wonderful performance so the performances are wonderful a lot of the scenes and set pieces are a lot of fun um it definitely has uh neon nostalgic kind of moody gothic vibes exactly as it seems in the trailer it, it, it has that that tone well and i i personally really like it. it it at times feels like a movie you would back when you could go rent movies and vhs's at your local uh blockbuster or somewhere local if it has those throwback like vhs rental vibes and i think that's great i think it really really works for for the film I also love the campy 80s-ness of a tanning bed providing a critical element in what happens with the evolution of the creature. I I think it's uh, a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. That said, there are a number of elements of it that I, I really wish had landed better for me. Um... Tonally, like I mentioned, uh, I like this retro throwback neo gothicness of it, but sometimes it's it's brilliant, and then some scenes just kind of fall flat, don't necessarily contribute much to tone or plot or or character development, and it kind of takes it out of the momentum that it has. Uh, there are certainly missed opportunities to make it creepier, to make some scenes more interesting where the, the, the setup is great, but what actually happens is kind of mundane in a in a way that's not uh, as, as great as it could be. There's a lot of repetitive scenes you spend in the film uh, a lot of time just hanging out in Lisa's bedroom, and that's not... A problem in itself. I mean, there are single location films that are absolutely wonderful. Um, but in this case, stuff just happens and it's not really as interesting uh, or useful or constructive a stuff as it could be. Um, but the real issue is that there are serious issues as a consequence of those with, with both pacing and with the actual editing of Lisa Frankenstein. There's uh, an odd imbalance pacing-wise of plot progression and notable moments on one hand, and then weird lulls and scenes that, like I mentioned, weren't particularly entertaining. It didn't particularly move the plot, evolve the characters um, as well as they could have, at least. Which so so there's whole scenes where I mean you you could just cut them, and it wouldn't have done anything. Um, the biggest issue, though, is the editing. Um, there's an old adage where you want to enter a scene 
as late as possible, as close to the action as possible, and leave as early as possible. So basically, avoid lulls by, you know, getting right into the thick of things in a scene, and then bouncing before it overstays its welcome. Um, This movie frequently did exactly the opposite. It entered a scene way too early, left too late. There's a lot of dead air time where it's just characters sitting, just sort of meandering. Um, So the pacing as a whole, I feel, could be greatly improved. Uh, Honestly, it would go from a decent film that had a lot of missed potential to a pretty solid one if you just recut it, frankly. Um, and that's not something that I place entirely on the editor. I, I also think that's um, something that the director should have, uh, Zelda Williams, should have noticed, um, should have adjusted, because there's room to make a tighter film. And I also feel like on occasion there were there are individual scenes where it feels like they had to have had a second cut. You know, like it, it, it actually had the feeling of this is the first take uh, before everything clicked in and people clicked into their characters, which is is very avoidable. So overall, Lisa Frankenstein is a mixed bag, which is unfortunate as a great central concept, wonderful characters, some solid performances, really solid performances. Uh, many moments really work. Uh, a lot of the comedy works when they hit the tone they're going for. It's great. Um, on the other hand, the the pacing and the editing are really far off from their actual potential. And it, it dulls down the experience of watching the film. Additionally, I feel like there, there are a number of missed opportunities to make it, to, to really just lean into what it does well. Uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes really gory, sometimes really outlandish. Uh, and and it does, the, when it's doing those things, it does them on average pretty well. There are a lot of missed opportunities where you could have really leaned into that. And it's almost a little divided in what it is trying to be. Um, additionally, I have, I have a side note for, for a movie whose even t- title and concept recall Frankenstein there is electricity and science involved in what happens to the creature, and I, I appreciate that. But the origins are kind of magic instead, which isn't something I would knock uh, against the film and its rating, but it's it's a bit of a disappointment to me. As as just a, a big fan of, of the material that it recalls in Frankenstein. Um but for the final take-home, uh, Lisa Frankenstein's a promising horror comedy. It has a great premise, lovely nostalgic vibes, but it suffers from odd pacing and editing inadequacies and some missed conceptual opportunities that really mar its ultimate potential. I'd give it three stars out of five. The next film that I wanted to cover is Madame Web, the newest Sony Spider-Man universe of or Sony universe of Spider-Man characters. Uh, that one always throws me off uh, film so it's directed by S.J. Clarkson it, uh, the movie follows Cassandra Webb who's a paramedic in Manhattan 
and she ends up acquiring a sudden ability to tell the future. It um, puts her in the in the crosshairs of an individual that has Spider-Man-like powers, but he's um, uh, um, frankly murderous. So um, he's he's attempting to kill three girls that in the future will be Cassandra Webb's sort of charges and also have Spider-Man-like powers. And he's trying to kill them before that can happen because he has a vision, a nightmare of them killing him. So... Adam Webb is a, it's frustrating for me, but I'll go into the good first. So Dakota Johnson actually works really well as Cassandra Webb. Um, The character, despite the name Cassandra Webb being terrible in a movie like this, um, there's an awkward cynicism to the character that she lands really, really well. There's a a sort of uh, bluntness that, she delivers that that allows her to deliver some comedic lines very successfully and she does a really good job um she works well enough in the action sequences although her character is not a real physical fighting character so there you know she's not black widow for example you know her powers are cognitive um so she she's great in the role uh the casting as a whole is really good uh, adam scott is spectacular in it uh, he has great chemistry with johnson every time they're in a scene together I'd, I'd really just watch them like eating a sandwich for two hours because they they play up each other really well um the three young actresses who, who play the teenagers that she comes to protect overall even though the material is kind of iffy at times they tend to do a good job with their characters I'd say that Sydney Sweeney is is solid but underused, and uh, Isabella Merced um, is also uh, the three girls. The, the films Madam Web is not about them, so they're they're prominent in the advertising, but they are underused in the actual plot. Usually, they're reacting to situations. Um, there's there's some more issues that we'll get to, but they still pull off solid performances. Sweeney's memorable um Isabella Merced has really solid comedic timing and screen charisma her screen presence in in scenes really works Um, it's unfortunate that the film is has been underperforming so badly because I would watch a movie with their their characters again Uh, especially with Dakota Johnson so that said um you know, there there's some great performances for for the material. There's some really solid elements. Casting director nailed it, and the script works well in certain scenes. However, um, the film teases a number of things, including not just the film but also the marketing campaign, and they these things don't come to pass in the film. For example, um, we we it regularly teases the three teenage girls getting spider suits and costumes and powers and they're in the the villains nightmares and uh they're in cassandra webb's uh visions and even in the credits they are not in the film 
like at no point in the film do they get powers at all it it teases scenes from the movie that would come after presumably if they were to make another one and they almost certainly won't which makes it even harder to understand it's it's very clear that madam webb was written as a prequel to the film they actually wanted to make they actually wanted to make the story of these three girls being a sort of spider team and inexplicably they didn't make that movie and they made it's frankly it's prequel it's kind of bonkers um this is the most um sequel baity movie i've seen since the attempt to start a dark universe at universal with the mummy the the tom cruise mummy except for at least that movie while it had its serious faults attempted to be its own film it just had too many easter eggs and certain things didn't work about it but at least tried right this movie doesn't try to be anything other than the prequel to the movie they want to make it's a little inexplicable it's also as a consequence a a bit of an easter egg factory where they want to tease its connection to the spider-man world as much as possible without actually doing so overtly so the combination of the two elements uh there's just a whole lot of suggestion of other better futures for the franchise that do not and will not come to pass it it's very strange and it makes a lot of individual scenes and lines not work i'd also say that the the adr is is atrocious you're going to see this in in other reviews but uh tahar rahim's ezekiel sims is a little bit maddening because he seems like he would be well, he has a good screen presence but his line performances often are they, they don't work that well and it's another case of it feeling like they had to have had other takes that they didn't use and then half of his scenes are dubbed over in really atrocious ADR and I know that there were behind the scenes issues with the film and with where it connects to certain universes and so it it was going to connect to certain things in in one way or another and then they had to change the lines so they had to dub things over but the ADR is bad it doesn't match his lip movements in a lot of scenes it seems like they chose awkward cuts and angles on purpose to try and hide that and they don't when you're watching it on a big screen and it also there was there was no obvious attempt to make it actually you can do good ADR there was no obvious attempt though to make it actually like sound like it's even fitting in the world it sounds like it's recorded in a booth you know uh, they they didn't even have the courtesy to slap any background sound over it to kind of hide that um some of the action sequences are are some of them work right but but um some of them are pretty contrived and not not very believable in their execution i like the concept of a fight sequence with a non-physical character you know handling another character in combat by leading them into a fireworks factory that's kind of great but and it has some cool moments but sometimes it's just visually loud um 
and then individual and then there are individual moments as well that just don't work um dakota johnson's character uh she goes into the peruvian jungle at a certain point to kind of uncover um some secrets about her past and her mother's past that's not going to be a surprise to anyone that saw some of the isolated clips online or the trailers but she's in new york and i know you don't want to show like necessarily the whole journey and have it take forever but she basically just like steps out of a uh, New York location and straight into the middle, like the deep, hard to find middle of a proving jungle. And there's no bead of sweat on her face, no dirt. It literally just looks like she morphed through time and space, which is not what actually happened. It's um, stunningly odd attention to detail. So overall it's really frustrating because there's a number of elements that work well or could work and if they shined up the story and if they kind of had a better plan of where they were going and if they tried to make the the film work on its own merits instead of making it prequel um an intended prequel and sequel like full of sequel bait if they tried to make it stand on its own a little better it actually could have worked because johnson's a good cast they had uh, a great set of performers and some individual scenes it's clear the writers knew exactly what they were doing and they did a good job um i would have liked to have seen more adam scott in the future but um it's also marred by uh, a villain that doesn't work nearly as well because of the adr ruining it and and odd take choices um creating you know pretty unpalatable performances so it's too bad because the concepts work and elements work but then as a whole so much of it is just destroyed uh, in terms of its potential by these other odd choices that it's just it's bad and it didn't have to be um you know, if they had leaned into the, the movie's greatest moments is if, if you look at it at a as a superhero tale, it is sorely lacking. But if you look at it as a sort of odd horror comedy about Dakota Johnson's character getting conf- suddenly getting confusing precognition, that's great. Um, so if they, <laughs> if they leaned more into what it was because it isn't a superhero tale and when it tries to be one that's when it fails because it that's not the movie they made and it's the movie they retroactively seem to want to make um if they leaned into what it was it would have been a better film um so basically the in summary the madam webb's frustrating example of a film that could work if they took better care of the story and didn't try and just judo it straight into franchise fuel it gets uh, this is being generous and mostly because dakota johnson's great two stars out of five uh, i want to take a moment too and and for today's review of a non creature feature i want to take a step back in time uh, you can check this out on apple tv plus but i want to review matthew vaughn's argyle so for Argyle, Bryce Dallas Howard plays Ellie Conway. She's a spy novelist who is writing her next book. 
and then she finds herself uh, in the crosshairs of actual spies because, for some reason, her novels so successfully predict the shady machinations of a clandestine spy agency gone rogue that people are trying to find her, both good and bad. So she eventually discovers that her own personal backstory is more connected to real spycraft. I'll put it this way. Then she realizes. So there, there are quite a few things about this that I really liked. Sam Rockwell, who I'm a big fan of, uh, his, his character work is always really fun to watch and he can land a lot of different things. He gets to be a fully unhinged action star and that's awesome. He's great throughout. Bryce Dallas Howard, another uh, performer that I really, really like. She gets to have a sort of dual role as it comes along. First as the, the novelist, fish out of water, Ellie Conway, and then later as, as the action evolves, she evolves. And I think that's cool. I, th- I think, <laughs> very descriptive. Um, I think that she really lands that range and does a great job. The humor largely works. Not everything works, but a lot of the humor is in sort of conceptual irony, and and I appreciate its execution. It's a it's a fun world when they get it right. There's some really exceptional action set pieces. Some where it's it's very clear Matthew Vaughn had a precise vision for what he wanted. And it's executed very, very, very well. Um, There's a neon smoke fight sequence that looks straight out of a comic book. It's hilarious. I had a good time uh, with, with a lot of those moments. That said, some of the action set pieces are a little too... Some of them are a little too reminiscent of what we've seen before, including recently. The, the train sequence towards the beginning is, is, is good. Um, and they do some clever things with Cavill and Rockwell that make it a fun watch. But at times it also kind of screams Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. It, it screams Bullet Train. You know, the, the fun thing they do with Rockwell and Cavill is not, I'm trying not to spoil it, is not quite novel enough to make it not feel familiar. I loved the the oil slick fight. I thought it was very well executed, but I and the and the skates were a nice touch, but I can't help but think of the transporter and it's a oil fight sequence. It's very 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 obvious that Argyle was written with Vaughn having a very clear concept of of wanting particular action set pieces and they were very 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 clear in his head. But the connective tissue between those moments, and the moments work, but the connective tissue often is muddled or stretched out too thin. The plot also gets needlessly convoluted at times, and not all of it works. For example, the, the central conceit is that Ellie's agent Argyle is um, an externalization of things in her own subconscious mind that are, are buried deep. That's how her spy novels are so rich with accurate detail it's because it's connected to uh, a particular past that she has 
So the accuracy is from her memory, but somehow her subconscious is also making very specific types of changes to how she views these events. And that pivot, I'm trying not to spoil things, so forgive the vagueness, that pivot doesn't really work. Because why would some of her details be so stunningly accurate and others be changed in weird ways? That seemed kind of random. The the actual, our real life answer is because they wanted to have surprises and twists. So they couldn't have certain details be a one-to-one. They had to pivot them. But in the story world, that doesn't really work. And also the mid-credit sequence is kind of bonkers. Kind of connects to that in ways I'm not going to spoil. Um, the the pacing of the film is off at times. Uh, there, there are moments of great action, but there's um, long stretches, which are very, very slow and um, in ways that don't necessarily contribute as much as they could to the world building or character development. Um, like uh, you'll, the, the first 20 minutes, for example, feels like a good 40 almost. Um, and it's it's fairly clear that the film doesn't know what to do exactly with some of Ellie's uh, sort of author e moments of her her other life. Um, so as a whole, it's it's Argyle's a fun ride. There are performances that are really fun. The world and the premise are fun. I I like the visual style. Matthew Vaughn has great visual style as a director, but it's too mind-bendy and twisty at times for its own good it's it's uneven in its narrative development um, and not everything really works it doesn't work as well as it could so so as a whole argyle is a charming and sometimes stunning action comedy it's got some solid per- central performances and memorable set pieces but the pacing and connective tissue don't work nearly as well as it needs so i'd give it two and a half stars out of five Finally, uh, Dune Part 2, uh, Denis' follow-up to, uh, well, not even follow-up, it's not a, a sequel, it's the, the second part of his adaptation of Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, it's, uh, the, the monster is the Shai Hulud, the uh, magnificent sandworms that are so uh, iconically associated with the, the Dune world. So part two um, explores the continued journey of Paul Atreides, played by Timothy Chalamet, as he unites with Chani, played by Zendaya, and other Fremen, um, while on a warpath of revenge against the Harkonnens, uh, who conspired with the Emperor uh, and, and basically eradicated his family line as much as they could. So... I think I think so much works about this movie. I really really liked the first one. I thought that the world building was great. The the ending clearly was just uh a really truncated connector between the two that was just an unsatisfying way to end it, you know. It was, was kind of like a tease at the end of a episode in a series. It didn't work. 
Um, there were there are moments in the first one which, for admittedly, I love, but there were moments of really odd off like pacing that just wasn't uh, as a little too slow at times. Uh, none of that is an issue here. Uh, it it's gets right into the thick of, of relevant situations, character development, action sequences. One of the things I really appreciated in the second one is that we get to uh, have a peek, uh, a much deeper, deeper dive into the, the Fremen's cultures, the, the different lands. We, we can see um, a lot more of that world. And this is this is not me contrasting it in in a negative way in the first one because they're two parts of a whole. They're, it's one film split into two effectively, uh, but uh, that deeper look really adds a lot. I would say that the character development too. You've you've seen the evolution of the characters, but with it, you've the the performers really click in their performances in this one. I wasn't so sure, like, I, I like Timothy Chalamet, but I wasn't really sure about him as Paul Atreides. And the first one, I went with it because it, it was good and I wanted to see where it was going. And it still, it didn't at that time sell me. But he's really, really, really solid as his character evolves. And he does a great job here. Uh, Zendaya's Chani is, is great and given so much more to do and she really, really lands it great casting choice i mean i anyone who saw the first one knows that already but um her character is really shown and showcased in part two in in some great ways i really liked it a lot of the new additions to the cast are um, wonderful florence Pugh is going to be bigger in future dune projects if if they go forward which i would imagine they do but even in her limited screen time, she's wonderful and memorable. Um, Austin Butler steals the damn thing every time he's on screen. He plays Fedratha, the chosen successor of the Harkonnens. Um, Harkonnens. Um, yeah, he's, he's incredible. He's menacing. He really does embody... Um, um, danger and aggression and is is such a, a wonderful foil to Paul Trades. So the the action sequences really really work. There's a nice epic scale to them and even though it's a longer film as a whole, you don't you don't really feel the length until the very very end. Uh, I could have had it be much longer with an intermission and I would have been happy. It's it, there's certain scenes early on where they're introducing new elements or twists um, where it almost moves slightly too quickly, but that's that's few and far between. As a whole, the pacing's really, really good. Um, some individual scenes are cut a little bit too short or feel rushed, and I would give them time to breathe, though. I will say that some characters seem important, but but at this point, you know, like like Florence Pugh's character, but they're little given little to do currently. Um, additionally, this is more of a note than a criticism. I like Christopher Walken in everything. I would I would see him in everything, but 
he's uh he just seems like christopher walken here he doesn't really embody a different character that said dune is a sweeping epic in every sense they do a wonderful job of opening up the world and exploring the culture of the fremen in greater depth the action moves along steadily the sandworms are make really there's a sense of grandeur and scale that make them truly magnificent uh in this one even more so than the last um it's uh, it, I, I walked away feeling that um the finale was satisfying as a whole dune is a stunning and sweeping epic with a cast in command of their roles and i felt the part two really cements the dune films as one of our greatest modern examples of epic genre world building it feels lived in it feels incredible and i really hope that denis gets to make more in this world i give it four and a half stars out of five that marks the end of our minisode thank you so much for stopping by and and checking out our take on some genre cinema currently in theaters we hope to see you at the movies and uh, stay tuned for our next episodes of humanoids in the deep dive from the dawn of record human civilization we've been fascinated by monsters and the monstrous they've inhabited our dreams and nightmares they've been our protectors and our villains they've symbolized our fears and vices our hopes and potential Fears of creatures and the night that nourishes them were key inspirations and fuel for the rise of human civilization, the need to get out of the shadows, behind the walls, and into the light. In many ways, understanding our monsters is an important part of understanding our world and ourselves. So thank you for taking this journey with us, we humanoids from the deep dive. (laughs) 